I am Alex Gilston, and joining me, as always, in the hot seat is Billy. Do you always say your last name? No, just feeling it today. Just, just feeling, feeling it. Feeling the professional, professional vibes. Exactly. I like it. Exactly. Maybe we should start. I'm not doing it though. You have to keep it. I'll just be a one, a one name <laughs> wonder. <laughs> there are lots of one name wonders in the world. You're just like like Madonna, like. Mm-hmm. Except that's Madonna and not my name. <laughs> <laughs> and joining us is our first returning guest of the Annapurnaverse in the Annapurnaverse history. It's Claire. Hello. I'm glad I am also a Madonna-esque figure because I really hate my surname. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm the only one with a surname here today. Yeah. That's because it sounds cool. I mean, Claire's does as well, but... Mine, mine, my surname does not sound cool at all. Oh, I just so... really hate mine. I genuinely have started looking into... I've realised I'm not going to get married anytime soon, so I've started looking into changing it by deed poll. <laughs> and some people, like, in letters, um, accidentally put, like, Gilstone. Oh, I get what? all sorts of nonsense. Yeah. People call me by my middle name. What's your middle name? Well, Melissa. Melissa. Billy Melissa. My... My Twitter is all my middle names and people keep thinking Hope is my surname and I'm like, I wish it was. <laughs> I feel like it could be. Well, that's Maybe that's your identity. It, that's, yeah, yeah that's what you would change it to. It to. Yeah, yeah, that works. Claire Hope. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Well, let's uh, get down to business this Talking week. Talking of hope. <laughs> um, and destiny. And destiny. Claire. Yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Very good. Uh, so Claire, please let everybody know what film you have chosen to talk about because you actually chose this film this time around we didn't force you to come on against your will um we didn't bully you here uh we will be talking about the masterpiece that is hustlers not american hustle hustlers oh Oh, yeah i just realized that you we we, we've had two films about hustles i am apparently the queen of the hustle (laughs) that you are that you are indeed. I was thinking about that earlier. I was like, I think there's another hustle film from Annapurna, and, oh, no. and we'll bring you back for that as a trilogy. <laughs> it's like a trilogy. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I'm not sure that there it, actually it's is not, now. It's not a very good sign that you don't know what it is, though. I don't think it. I think I made it up. That's right, so. because I'm like, I can't think of any other net film with the word hustle in that I well, know, I mean, so it must not be good. I suppose Kajillionaire is a bit like a hustle film, oh, isn't I it? Oh, I adore Kajillionaire. Yes. But it doesn't actually have the word hustle in it. Yeah. But oh well. Kajillionaire hustle. That could be the uh, the end of the trilogy. I mean, I would come on to talk about Kajillionaire any day you want, but I think you've probably got quite a few people that want to I talk think about that one. Your other half. I was going to say, I almost. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah. I feel like as I was saying it, I was like, I'm sure that's what Daisy wanted. Yes. Um, there yep. is The Hustle, which is that apparently, I've not seen it, but the, apparently very bad Anne Hathaway. Rebel Wilson, oh maybe. yeah, no, I've not seen that. I I, I work at a cinema, that. and there's the I th- I'm pretty sure that film had an after credit scene, and I saw it so many times, and oh, it just made I me hate. Oh, oh, it was horrible, <laughs> absolutely horrible. But anyway, let's get back to the sequel rather than the threequel. Um, <laughs> we're going to be talking about Hustlers today, directed by uh, Lorene Scafaria, um, wife to Bob Burnham. Which I didn't know, and then I was like, "Wait, wait, what?" Yeah, what? I found it out last week, and my mind was blown. I did know because I remember watching them like go around the red carpets together that year. <laughs> I'm very shameful, and I didn't know who Bo Burnham was until Promising Young Woman. <gasps> you didn't see Eighth Grade? Oh, I did, I did, but I wouldn't have known. But you didn't recognize him. Yeah. yeah. Fair. That's fair, fair enough. That's fair. Both getting shut down on this podcast. <laughs> an, an absolute power couple, to be honest, I when know. it comes to um, to films and things like that. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Claire, when was the, the first time you saw Hustlers? Um, it would have been the week it came out, and I sort of accidentally saw it twice. Um, I had two different friends ask me to go and see it that the week it came out, and they didn't know each other, and they both wanted to go on different days. So I was like, I'll say yes to both of them. I was like, hopefully it won't be bad. Great, great film. Loved it. <laughs> Very much so. Billy, how about you? 
I can't remember if it was a press screening or if I went to like a Cineworld preview mm. or if it was the week that maybe it, came it did out. have an unlimited screening actually if I remember it might correctly. have done yeah. I feel like I feel like I remember being in a Cineworld I just don't know see I <laughs> definitely saw it was. both times at a Cineworld but I don't think it was an unlimited screening uh, I think it was just to just watch. a normal yeah okay maybe yeah. maybe it was the week the week it came out as well I think I was really like excited for it though because mm. I remember people we're really hyping it up from because it, it premiered at TIFF, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, Alex, I know that this is a momentous occasion. Hold for applause. When <laughs> was the first time you saw this film? When it came out. <laughs> oh my happened. god, it's just insane! It's insane. For no, yes, friends. It's Final. not five I'm minutes. I'm a little bit disappointed because I feel like it's broken a streak now. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, yeah. It kind of has. I think I've only seen one other film that we've covered so far and that's missing link oh no mm-hmm. book smart as well of course oh yeah of course we've done both yeah, already so since after after missing link i don't think i'd seen any of them but yeah you've so got now a few more um, haven't you that you have there, seen there is a uh, only a, ve- a very very handful or a handful very small handful yeah um but yeah this is one of the last ones that i've actually seen which is very interesting mm-hmm. very sad as well no, it's it's so weird it to think you get to explore all these wonderful new worlds ahead. That of you. is very true. Yeah, that is very true, and it is really exciting—a really exciting prospect because <laughs> some of them are going to be great. But um, but yeah, no, I actually saw Hustlers on opening week. I'm pretty sure uh, with my friends. Um, yeah, I I loved it. I remember loving it. Shall I say? We were all somewhere in the world opening week yes. of Hustlers, not knowing one another. I know, um, yeah. and it's led us to this moment. What Cineworld do you think you went to, Billy? It would have been the one in Wembley, because that's where I lived at the time. Oh, or I lived in Ealing, side which of is London. like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we might, you know what, we might have gone to the same Cineworld, because we we live so close to each other. <laughs> well, me and Claire did, you know, <laughs> back we in the day. We live in the same city at one point. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I didn't go to the Cineworld, I went and watched it at View with the nice recliner seats. All right, well, you've ruined it, haven't you? So you're not invited to the podcast anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I technically shouldn't be admitting this as an employee of Cineworld, but uh, but yeah, there you go. Um, I do have to ask, though, does everyone feel like we saw this like a really long time ago because 2020 felt so long? Yeah. I watched it twice last year, so... Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Then. Well, for the it's first time, case. <laughs> I've seen this at least five times now. Oh, I also, wow. I went to see it at the cinema a third time, but not to watch it. So I used to work next to a cinema and I had my unlimited card. And some days are tough oh. and some days you just want people to leave you alone. So some days on my lunch break, I'd book a random ticket to whatever film was showing and I'd sit in the back row and have a little 40 minute nap. And I went and watched 40 minutes of Hustlers. Oh my gosh. I used to do that when I worked at View. I would just stand in the back of the screen and watch the film. Please do not sue me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this film doesn't seem that far away for me because I keep no, rewatching it every six crazy. months at least. Right, well, let's get into that. So what for you is like the enduring love of Hustlers? Yes. Oh, I mean, let's see. I did I did three pages of notes to so <gasps> try and remember what I was writing <laughs> about. I think it's... All the characters, like J-Lo, like J-Lo's a whole I can't talk about J-Lo yet. Yeah. I yeah. love that Let's it, not peak. It, it looks at female friendship, which mm. so few films do. And mm. even though obviously there are issues in this female friendship, for a large majority of the film, the female friendship is positive, which is great and so rare. I think it's also really, it's a really cleverly executed film that holds up every time I watch it. I also like that it's like a film of two parts. So... By the time I've got to the end, I feel so far away from the beginning in a good way that I never mind going back and rewatching it quite soon because they feel you feel like you really go through a whole kind of well, a story, which you do. Um, and I just I think it's just so well executed in every way. Like I think it's almost to me anyway. I'm sure lots of other people would disagree. I think it's almost flawless. <laughs> Oh, big statement. Did you feel like that the first time you saw it as well? Or is it like as you revisited it, it got more and more? More and more. I know I, I remembered really enjoying it the first time I saw it. And I think 
I can't remember which of the two friends I saw it with. One of them didn't like it as much as the other one. And I can't remember if it was the first time or the second time I saw it. Um, but I remember really enjoying it that time. I can't remember if I rated it. Um, and then when I rewatched it last year, I rated it 4.5. But when I was watching it on Sunday ahead of for this, I was genuinely like, I think I'm ready to make it a five star. <gasps> That's big. That's big stuff. It is. And it's very rare for me to rate things up. I often on rewatches knock things down because for me, the cinema experience is often part of the thing. So when I watch things, like if I go and see a Marvel movie, it's always 5 or 4.5. I watch it at home and I'm like, yeah, that's a (laughs) (laughs) 3.5. So it's very very rare for me to rewatch and go higher. But... I think I'm ready to admit that Hustlers is one of my favourite films, guys. I think I'm ready. <gasps> oh my this gosh. Is, this is big statements coming out here on the Anna. You heard it here first, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting because I don't think I've ever had an experience like that. I don't think I've watched something in, and felt differently. Because I think I've said this before in one of the podcasts, but there's there's this um like thing that goes around on Twitter all the time that's like, what's one of those films that just keeps growing on you? And I'm like... I feel like I just love things from the beginning. I don't know. What about you, Alex? Yeah, no, I, I, I think I agree with you on that, actually. I, I think I'm more like what, what what Clay, you were saying, where you watch films and realise that actually they're not quite as good as you thought they were. Mm-hmm. But now I really want to get the other side of that. I want to experience what you, you've experienced with Hustlers and watch a film and I... be like, oh, this is better. This is better than I remember. Yeah, I think I think it's as well. I think because you get so caught up because it's quite a scandalous story. Mm. So I think you first off get just caught up in the scandalous story of it, and then you secondly get caught up in the visuals because there's a lot of a lot of like half naked ladies and a lot of great choreography and insanity. But I think every time I rewatch it, I admire more and more, especially on this rewatch because I was doing it for the podcast, that the choices that Scafaria makes. She this film could have been done so poorly, mm. but she is so quietly experimental with her editing, with her narrative, with the music choices that a much lesser filmmaker would have just had it all being songs from that time era, all being all the like club classics. Whereas she chooses these wonderful, like much older pieces that set make everything look feel like a fairy tale and she plays around so neatly with narrative and she uses like from the start to the end so many repeated visuals that you don't notice until you re-watch it a number of times and I think the first time I watched it I was just watching it to enjoy it the second time I was watching it because it was fun and I think the more I watch it the more I'm watching it as a piece of like art or a visual medium this time because I know the story Mm. Yeah, I so agree with that because I this would this is actually only the second time I've ever same. watched it, rewatching yeah, it. I don't know what didn't compel me because this is exactly the kind of story that I'm attracted to. I love con stories. <laughs> I'm always really drawn into those. See, and I, I typically think, don't at all. This is not my kind of story at all. Ah, well, do you think it's maybe like the female aspect Definitely. of it? Yeah. Definitely. I agree. I feel like this is the only one that I can think of that is in a female lens and especially I so agree with you Claire because I think just just I just cringe thinking if this was in the hands of a male director mm-hmm. of what Eight. we would have been delivered <laughs> and like watching like even the more explicit scenes and like um the scenes with the men in the room is like there's always an equal if not always a higher level of female power in the frame at all times and I just love that she, I definitely noticed this time the more experimental choices mm-hmm. she was making and the more like design of it. I don't know, mm. for her, is this her first film, second? I'm not sure. I did look it up on Sunday and I've already forgotten. Oh, I, I don't distracted. think it's her first. I got distracted because apparently she um, directed an episode of New Girl and then I was like, well, um, I now need to go find that episode. Oh I yeah, also... she did three episodes. I okay, no, this is her third that. feature film. <laughs> Oh, is it third? Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it might not even be. A, it might be. She might have done more than that, actually. It says director six credits, and she's done TV movies. So this is her third oh, for, for cinema. I just realised she did Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Mm. I did look it up because I really like Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. So I was like, oh, that makes sense. 
Oh, oh yeah, she, she wrote that one. She wrote I, that, right? Yeah, I really, yeah. I know that's not that great a film, but I find that film incredibly charming and incredibly rewatchable. So yeah, there's obviously something about her style that just clicks with like comfort for me. Mm, that's She's... interesting because I don't think of this film as like a comfort film. It, it, I've discovered clearly it is for me because I keep rewatching it and I seem to rewatch it when I'm feeling a bit low. So mm. I'm like, well, not even low, but like I'm. I think especially during the pandemic, there were like occasions where I was just craving like high energy. And I was like, yeah. hustlers, like you get a bit of the club, you get some glamour, you get like some amazing dance sequences. I was like, yeah, that's what I want. Mm-hmm. And it is like impeccably written, like really, really, really well written. And the, the, the writing is also like so highly elevated by mm-hmm. the cast as well. And I mean, especially, <clears throat> especially J-Lo. Oh, are we going there? Are um, we going we, there? <laughs> shall we go there? Are we going are we there? Or do we want about... to talk about other people first? Oh, and then know. we move on to Jayla. Yeah, let's let's let's, let's... save save that because right, okay. we so need to process. One of the other things one of you just mentioned was like the design choices. Like mm-hmm. when I watched it on Sunday, do you know what I really noticed was the costume? Because mm. on surface, the costumes are just like strippery costumes and sexy costumes and fur. But yeah. if you notice it, they are so subtle about the materials they use and the materials that the different girls who have different status in the club, it tells you so much. So when JLo is in the club, JLo rules that club and she is only ever in really high, bright, shimmery. Like her first entrance is a sequin number, mm-hmm. but even when yeah. she's showing Destiny the ropes in that scene where they, like she undresses her, Destiny's wearing like a red cotton dress. JLo is wearing this like blue, shiny, shimmery, jeweled thing and it's like it constantly draws you and lets you know like she is of high value she knows her worth she is better than everyone else here and we also then remember that we're viewing it through Dorothy Destiny's eyes and like Dorothy's in love with her and obsessed with her and such complex emotions around her but the way that they dress JLo she is like a star and destiny is like drawn to her like a moth and like, i just was noticing all of the different costume choices for all of the different characters and i was like oh my god it tells you so much and i'd never noticed it before that's so that interesting that's interesting. definitely not something i've ever i guess yeah i've only been I've like, been with it two times but. thinking back on it now it makes complete sense but like while watching it i don't think i would have would have at all noticed that it was yeah. one of the things that I um, copied from the featurette on Mean Girls for a university essay on costumes. Oh! <laughs> if you rewatch Mean Girls, the more Katie becomes a plastic, they start dressing her in plastic style clothing. So yeah. she suddenly starts wearing a lot of like plastic belts and stuff like that. So now I pay attention to these things. Uh, this is, yeah, it's just, it's something that I think goes so overlooked in films just because when it, you only ever notice it when it's strange. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just like editing. Like it's the art, it's a silent art form. It's the thing that you just, because I feel like even production design gets a nod in yeah. most reviews and things, but. Mm. It, and they tend to assume that costume kind of comes under that. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's also because it's like a, it's considered quite a, a feminine mm. thing to, to look over and work within. I don't know whether you found this, but I, I you know, costume seems to be a very important thing in all Annapurna films or at least the ones that we've covered so far yes I so agree I was just thinking about it because I was thinking about American Hustle and something completely different going back to what you're saying about the script is it it is so neat in a way that like so I think we've we've made this comment because quite a lot of the films that Annapurna are interested in are real life stories yeah and there's always a tendency no matter who it's made by there's always a, a tendency to want to add so much into that script that it gets a little bit lost along the way. But I think exactly what you're saying, Alex, with this is that it's so focused and so neat mm-hmm. that we that we are allowed to like live inside that world without ever kind of wandering away from it or like losing interest for a second. Even just for like aesthetic reasons, like it's always so consistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the tempo that they create through that script. Oh my god. And gosh, then through yeah. the editing and the direction. Like tempo wise it's great. Like it, it's a long movie, but I never feel like it's long when I'm watching it. And like you say, I, my attention never drifts. 
one of my favorite scenes for that is um it's I can't remember if it's when it, oh yeah so it's when um Constance Wu and JLo are in kind of just doing it together and they have that one guy in the room and it's it's all red and he's like putting the money, the money down, down. Oh. that scene is so well orchestrated mm-hmm. that like the second time I was watching it I was like I want to watch that again because yeah. that is so perfect for tempo and timing and and rhythm in a way that like you notice it and it just it feels so different and you can tell so clearly when films are like working to their tempo and it just feels the most satisfying there are so many scenes like that where it's just like there's a lot of montages but like they're yes. hidden montages because sometimes you know when you watch a film you're like another montage Brats. I never... <laughs> Brats <the movie>. <laughs> 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 um, but I, I never feel like they're like overly montaging this I feel like they just utilize the technique of a montage because they're giving us so much information through her voiceover through her telling the journalist mm. yeah how do we feel about that device in general because usually I I really don't like stuff like that I quite liked it and then I remember the first time I watched it the bit where she tells her to leave and it goes silent Mm. I remember in the cinema being like oh my god that is so clever because by that point you keep forgetting that she's not talking to us that she's talking to someone else yeah and I just thought then it was so clever and then they completely shift the focus then and it's no longer her telling the story and we get to see this like all the victims and I just thought you that use of silence was so smart so I originally got um (laughs) hustlers mixed up with another film because I thought that uh, hustlers was the film um that James Corden was in. Well, that's Ocean's 12, right? What? Ocean's 8. Ocean's 8, sorry, yeah. Ocean's but I also really like that film too. So, <laughs> so I was so I was thinking to myself, oh yeah, so I absolutely love this film, but I remember that James Corden's in it, so I hate this film. What? But, I mean, I will say, then... I'm, I'm not a James Corden hater, but oh. his, his use in Ocean's 8 is really random. Like, it, yeah. it just is unnecessary. So... Obviously, because my mind had somehow put James Corden into Hustlers when he isn't actually in Hustlers, when obviously I realised that it was just the the journalist, I was like, right, okay, I actually really like this. <laughs> so I don't know whether that was just because I was happy that it wasn't James Corden in his like little <laughs> FBI role that he has in Ocean's 8. Or... But yeah, that... <laughs> I don't you know where my mind went with that. you get a bit of a shock when you sat down this afternoon? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because I had to. Even, I had to Google the cast list, and I was like, "Wait, oh, so James Corden isn't in this?" <laughs> oh my gosh! So this could have been a very different podcast if you just it didn't watch the Cause, film. Because I was about to, I was about to be like, "Oh, I love this film," apart from James Corden, but then obviously James Corden's not in it. So maybe, maybe he is. Maybe he's somewhere <laughs> in the background. But do you know who is in this film? Lizzo. Lizzo. Oh that, my gosh! I am grateful. Well, it's it's often, isn't it, that in films when uh, famous singers that don't usually act um, are in a film, that it's really cringy or just horrible or, you know, why are they there? What are they doing there? I hate it. But, yeah. I mean, Lizzo serves Cardi B. completely. Cardi, I mean, Cardi B was maybe a bit closer to that kind of cringe level. I think she did well, though. They, um, they, but yeah, yeah. they kept it on just the right side of that line yeah. by not overusing her. Exactly. And, and Lizzo was amazing. and She was doing a, a fluty stuff. I yeah. love that they let her do that. Um, and then, of course, uh, Usher. Um, so is that Usher? Because I never, I always yeah. mean to find out if it is actually Usher. It and then was I get distracted by Usher. the rest of the film. And yeah, it, it fully usher. I, I always I remember watching that for the first time and being like, "What the hell?" But I suppose you know, back in those days, somebody like Usher would have gone to a place like that quite often. I mean, have you heard his music? Exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, so I love that bit when Usher comes in and they're just all like I'm really excited such to a see wonderful him. scene. So good, absolutely love it. The DJ's playing Usher music. Yeah. Usher's walking in slow mo. To his own music. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently, Usher actually brought um, some of his effects from 2008, 2007, 2008, that he wore, you know, like at concerts and stuff like that, to actually wear for the filming of this film. 
so so it would make it authentic. And I, I, I do love modern nostalgia. Like I love period pieces that are like from five years ago. Yes. I don't know yes. what it is, but it's so good. And this captures well, those time periods so brilliantly. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you know when there's like a film that's like eighties nostalgia, I can't I can't really relate to that, but. Mm-hmm when you've got one that's nostalgic to 10 years ago you're like yep. well i know that i know that time and oh that's cool to see that and that's cool to see them actually work through this time period mm-hmm. uh, with authenticity which i think is another great um aspect of the movie i do want to talk about like the um kind of we can get into jlo now i think <laughs> in talking about how the the other performances i feel like kind of got a little left behind in like the rally towards her Oscar that never came, which is a whole other conversation so, in itself. I'm already, my blood is already boiling. I'm already <laughs> annoyed. Um, so before we get to her, let's talk about Constance Wu leading this mm. film because I feel like hers wasn't as discussed as mm. JLo's, but Definitely it is still not. so. Like I was watching it this time and I was like, how? Like she, because it isn't. It, I know that Claire will tell me I'm wrong, but it isn't an ensemble film to an extent because there are there are parts where she's not in it, but it is led through her and it, we have to really mm-hmm. like her for doing things that aren't particularly great, mm-hmm. or at least to the public eye, because I think it was fine. <laughs> um, but I yeah. do think they, they definitely do work really well. And I don't know if it's it's probably a combination. I, was say, I don't know if it's Constant Moves performance. I don't know if it's the writing. I don't know if it's the direction. It's a combination of all of it. But what they did was really shady. Like, that's bad. Like, if you gender flip that, drugging women oh, yeah. in clubs to mm-hmm. get money from them is awful. But this film manages to make it humorous, which is a bit... I mean, I guess when we look at it, you can say that is quite sexist. But... They it toes a really clever line of kind of letting you know like what they did was wrong, but, but don't hate them yeah. because being a woman is really it's... hard. Being a single mother is almost impossible. They're just doing what they need to do. I love that constant reference to like, she says so many times, I want to be independent. I want to mm-hmm. not rely on anyone else. And then there's that scene where, it's 2008 and the crash has happened and she's sat with that boyfriend Mm -hmm. and he's like I'll take care of you and like you can just see in her face that that is like the exact thing she didn't want to happen and she's obviously has his child now and there's all these things just going through and I think that's such a consistent theme throughout the film is like women were also suffering because you think of like the financial crash and and you're like oh all the men in the building and like Mm -hmm. the and Wall Street and all of that but there are actually other people and people of different classes affected mm-hmm. by that and I yeah. think you're right about her performance getting a bit left behind because when you say it like that like JLo's performance is a powerhouse performance which mm-hmm. we'll talk about but JLo stays well, JLo stays Ramona Ramona stays the same through the whole movie Ramona doesn't really have any growth because she doesn't need to have any growth Mm. Dorothy has so much growth goes through so many spectrums of emotion and Constance Wu makes each of them seem believable it it makes each of them seem accessible and she probably does more than JLo does but it's a much less flashy role Mm. definitely well it's interesting isn't it because from the marketing of this film you wouldn't have believed that Constance Wu was even a close to a main character, let alone as like a, you know, the mm-hmm. main character of the film. Um, and she'd just come off the back of Crazy Rich Asians, which is a wonderful film. Absolutely love it. Uh, I thought it was great. She'd also just come back off this kind of controversy with mm-hmm. her uh, TV show uh, that she was in, that she uh, had a bit of a Twitter rampage <laughs> about because it got renewed or something like that. I can't remember yeah. exactly what happened. Um and yeah, it's so interesting because she it is a really great performance. Um, but like Billy, you said, it just kind of kind of gets thrown into the background a little bit, and that isn't the fault of Constance Wu at all, and and mm-hmm. and, and the fault of any other person that's in this film, you know, Lily Reinhardt and Kiki Palmer, and um, yeah, I don't know. It's just that J Lo's so good. <laughs> she is. 
that that performance is is the like that's that character is the character isn't it like in every film there's the character that everyone would want to play and ramona is that character because mm. she is like and especially because it's written so much through dorothy's perspective she's an idol and that's why getting j-lo was perfect to play her because j-lo is also an idol mm, she is like the the woman yeah. and also she gets just one of the best i think it's one of the best character intros of that year if not ever um ever. I've, I've yeah ever for me ever. it tells you <laughs> so immediately much. every single thing and we don't even see her face for yes. like so long like what is it probably like 10 15 seconds which in film <laughs> It's a really long time. Mm-hmm. And like every time I just, I could never not watch that scene. I could watch that every, I should watch it every morning. It's inspiration to get off. <laughs> just get off. <laughs> I'm, I'm in my like early thirties and I've just got to the point where I'm like, I think, you know, this is just what happens to women in their thirties. We just get a bit fat and dumpy. And then I'm like, JLo was in her forties when she made this film. <laughs> but I love it because it, what happens before that is it kind of is building the, the patriarchal world of which they're mm-hmm. existing within and like we've already seen Constance we've been really disrespected by all the men in the room and saying things like oh what did your dad do to you and just all of these horrible things and then she comes on and just completely kind of flips yeah. the story in a way it's not even just like Constance's character it's like the whole story gets changed the, the because lighting she's... changes the yeah. sound changes the, mm-hmm. the we the the club looks different after that it does it looks more glad it looks more yeah. high class like glamorous because we've got an unreliable narrator narrating the story and she sees ramona especially in that time period as the best thing to have ever existed and that shot where we see her watching ramona is beautiful i'm just thinking about that because i don't think i've noticed that before but you're so right like she is an unreliable hmm. narrator and it's just it it was intentional it's all these like magical things that happen in film that are just intentional but you just think just happen because it's a movie so of course it happens <laughs> but it's like someone's design yeah that maybe this will be the first film that has grown on me <laughs> uh. <laughs> i do think but it is one of those films that, that the the seams are so well hidden mm. very much so but that's the testament to the script but yeah. also also production design in a way because I don't know, there are there aren't there are lines that exist within the, in the script that are a bit like pointing towards what the story is about in the same way that um, it actually has a line that's pretty much identical to one in American Hustle. It's like the final line in the film, which is she oh. that one. Oh, I love that line. I I remember when I left the cinema the first time, I wrote that down in my phone. I was like, I just love lines like this that are so true about everyone just hustling and saying you got people tossing the money and people doing the dance. And that is just so mm. true. And almost like that could have been put at the beginning of the film. Yeah. And it would have meant the exact same thing. But it happened at the end of the film. Mm. And it's just like... The there are so many great with. lines like that. Um, there's mm. one that Constance Wu says um, about hurt people. Uh, hurt people hurt people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I think is also just another incredible line. I just wish that I could write lines like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a... It, yeah. They're just yeah. incredible, especially in the the context of the movie. My gosh, so good. Something um, I do want to talk about, though, with, with J-Lo is um, I feel like exactly what you're saying about her being an idol and being put into this role is, like, because I think is exactly why all the other roles kind of got overlooked is, like, who else could really do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no it one. needs a certain kind of physical presence to pull that Mm. off and i i mean i I can't think of anyone else because it's also now just so yeah intertwined with her um and i think she kind of helped the movie get made because she wanted that role i might be making that up but i'm sure i remember someone telling me that and if it's a lie then i'm sorry my brain likes to make things up (laughs) (laughs) she's an unreliable narrator (laughs) yeah um but I think, yeah, it's now a role that you can't separate from her, but I struggle to think of anyone else that I think could have done it. Mm. It'd be interesting to find out if there ever were, like, people in mind for the role. 
yeah, yeah it's interesting you can't that. even ask the question can you like mm. who else do you see in that role because you just can't no. you just can't no. at all no so why do we think it got left behind who are we blaming for this <laughs> in the oscar run except for the pure racists um it's the it's 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 the makeup of the industry isn't it yeah it it, it was seen as a women's film mm-hmm. and it is a women's film because it's by women about women but it's yeah. also a fucking like hilarious and clever and detailed and varied film but it's it was not marketed this way but it was by word of mouth it was like oh it's the female magic mic that was that was what people were calling mm. it the academy is not going to pay attention to that and whilst i think jlo should have got nominated i'm more annoyed that L- is it Lorene? Yeah, yeah, Lorene. I'm more annoyed that she didn't get nominations. I'm annoyed that the script mm. didn't get nominations. Mm. I'm furious that produ- um, production design, costume design, editing, and the sound editing, the sound mixing and sound editing in this yes. film, the choices they make are brilliant. Like every time, like when JLo is teaching Constance Wu how to do the pole dancing. Movies, yes, yeah. I someone really else would have put on Sweet Cherry Pie. What did they put on? Ballet music. Ballet music. And she's seen, because we're not seeing her as a skeezy pole dancer, we're seeing her as a gorgeous, athletic woman. And we see those moves suddenly as not sleazy, as beautiful and as dance. And that's because of the music choice. I think as well, just to mention, actually, the score is wonderful. I mean, the soundtrack's great because, you Mm. know, you've got your Russia, you've got all your kind of, your general, like, tracks that you'd hear in a strip club. Uh, yeah mm, and that as well but then one. the score and mo- like alongside that is just wonderful mm-hmm. uh, i noticed that there was a kind of a a clear run through you know like the scenes where they're shopping and stuff mm-hmm. and it's kind of very orchestral very yeah. classical very operatic kind of um music because dorothy is telling us her fairy tale yeah exactly ramona was her fairy godmother ramona yeah it was Ramona. she yeah. was her fairy godmother so and they it's... play this like ballet nutcrackery so like music i just love it yeah it's really, i made really a good. massive note of that this time of just being like it adds such an importance mm-hmm to it for the audience because it could have just been a throwaway scene as like oh she's learning how to be sexy but she's not yeah. she's learning how to be like a woman and learning how to be a, a person in this and a strong space. woman like that bit yeah. where she's like i don't have the muscles to do that and she's like every woman has the muscles to do this women supporting women on film how often do we get that we almost get never that, <laughs> <laughs> that is something i want to talk about is like they use romance tropes throughout this film in the same way that they do in like traditional like heterosexual relationships mm-hmm. as in like this friendship is romantic because of the way that they like hold hands and she wraps her up in like her coat and she sat there and i know it's like that iconic picture isn't it Mm -hmm. of like them two sat there on the rooftop that's one of my favorite things about the film is it's exploration of female relationships but also that complex female relationship where we never know was dorothy in love with her did she want to be her does she want her to be her mother does she want her to be her business partner her sexual partner i think it's everything i think dorothy wants to just orbit ramona and i've had female relationships like that that have never gone in a sexual way but the intense friendship i felt for them i'm like i don't know if this is a normal way to feel about a friend (laughs) this is a very intense feeling that you normally only feel for someone you're romantically invested in mm-hmm. and you don't get a lot of films that explore that yeah and i think that again is a testament to the writing isn't it and how amazing lorene scafaria is with mm-hmm. writing the script because and, and again this is something that a man couldn't do really or mm-hmm. at least 99 percent of the time um and that's right three-dimensional female characters mm-hmm. that have a full fleshed out story and character background and it's so interesting because obviously uh Ramona and Dorothy's relationship is so dependent on how Dorothy's childhood went and mm-hmm. this whole her you know not having her parents around and just having her grandma and then having this whole recurring dream nightmare about not being able to control the car and all that kind of stuff um and then how her meeting Ramona and then Ramona kind of taking her under her wing changes that and helps her in her own way and make helps her to become 
a, a woman, like you know, a strong independent woman, and uh, to be able to control that car finally. And the visual of her literally like in the fur coat, opening the fur coat, it looks like a wing, and she nestles mm-hmm. her in mm-hmm. like a baby bird. Like it's so so subtly beautiful. We all I mean, wanted someone... to be Constance. We were in that moment. Oh, <laughs> oh my yeah. god, <laughs> oh, the <yeah>. dream. <laughs> We wanted to be wrapped up in a, and then, but it's also so, like it's it seems like such a throwaway moment, but then she gives her her own one, mm. and she's like, "You're this now, like you've become," because that's when their relationship starts to get fragile, as in like it starts breaking off, in a way. And like that whole Christmas sequence, I oh my think, gosh. is one of my favorite sequences in the film, uh-huh. and it's upsettingly aspirational for me. I hate that that's <laughs> aspirational for me. Like I don't particularly like Christmas. Not that close to my family. I don't spend Christmas with them. For the last four years, I have spent Christmas either by myself or working at a homeless shelter. My God, what I would give to be around a bunch of my best friends in ridiculously dressed up outfits and fake fur for me fur coats (laughs) drinking the best food and drinking champagne and dancing I'm like that is the dream unfortunately all my friends went off and got married and had babies but (laughs) I'll find me some independent women to Christmas up a storm in fur coats with but like Mm -hmm. it it shows you all of their relationships and you get to see Ramona meet her grandmother Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. Of course, you've got to have the the one grandma there as well. Mm-hmm. The cool and it grandma. shows because you see other kids as well. You see not just because for a lot of the film, it's J Lo, Constance Wu, Kiki Palmer, and Lily Reinhardt. Thank you. I, I, all I could think of was Betty Cooper, and I'm like, that's not. Her yes, I always <laughs> associate her with. The um, but for a lot of the film, it's just that core force. It was so nice at the Christmas as well to see that they invited everyone and they have made a family and like mum from the the club is there with them and you see that there's lots of other kids there and that they but that whole thing of like it takes a village and it it isn't it doesn't hammer the message home about motherhood in this film it's a it's just a gentle through line about how hard it is to be a single woman and with Mm. a child and it's lovely to see that stage that yes they are doing despicable things but they are in part, I mean, they don't need fur coats, they don't need giant Range Rovers, but in part, they are doing it to allow those little young women that are sharing Christmas dinner with them to have the lives that they were never able to have. Yeah, it's also a city story in the way that, like, people move to London mm-hmm. and, and New York and all these big cities without their family and they have to find family while they're there. Mm-hmm. And this is is a nod to that in a way, as in, like, it's another clever subtle thing of like they've not departed the city for this the season they're staying there they're living it their best life in this massive apartment that's like mm-hmm. unimaginably expensive mm-hmm. and they've and they've made it there themselves yeah it's so beautiful yeah i have to go back to because obviously we we're talking about uh it's awards prospects and i just personally like out of all the films that have been snubbed over the past however many years, five, well, you know, whatever. <laughs> 90. <laughs> yeah, a lot of years. <laughs> uh, this is the one that baffles me the most completely because the way you were describing it before, Claire, it is essentially it is an Oscar film. Like it mm-hmm. has every aspect that an Oscar film would have. But if then this it got... was a, If this was the exact same story, but men... Mm. men in these roles, a male writer, a male director, giving these complex a story in this artistic way with mm. such strong performances, there's no way there wouldn't have been nominations. Exactly. Yeah, I feel that way. I feel that way because I just think it goes to show that like the industry is still not ready for these stories because in the female stories that they do kind of tend to sway towards, like they do have they do have like strong um, people, like Little Women, and um, why am I struggling so much to think of any other? Oh, well, because there isn't really. for a good reason. Yeah, exactly. But I'm saying, as in, like this is is women taking ownership of all the things that usually men take away mm-hmm. from them. Yeah, I think the only kind of modern female-based story that's got anywhere near awards noms recently is Lady Bird. Yeah. And again, that's Greta Gerwig. And I, I know Billy adores Greta Gerwig, but Greta Gerwig is also very in the industry and seen as 
one to watch. She's not a newcomer. She's not on the periphery. She is in the centre because of her acting work and her relationship with Baumbach. I think... Claire, do you want to watch it again? This is going to be a podcast (laughs) that we didn't have a... No, 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 no. She she deserves every aspect that she's earned. It's not undeserved, but I think that's why they're willing to let her in. Yeah, I think they're I like she agree. she's already in so she can stay in but we won't let anyone else in but I think it's also to do with the way that her films as oh, in like yeah. Lady Bird yeah. and Little Women are kind of um just she almost make it a bit more palatable for the male audience well I think Little Women Little Women especially was kind of like something that people were used to yeah. accepting and yeah. liking. Mm. I think Lady Bird was more of a groundbreaking way as in like because these like Lady Bird is is likable f- and identifiable for women but she's not a particularly like I know a lot of people who are like oh my gosh she's so annoying. Mm. And like I think it's the same thing in Hustlers is like these women aren't always likable and um can you ever forgive me went with Melissa McCarthy's oh, role. I loved that. I so- love Lord. I love that film. I love her in that role. There's no one else who could have played that role. And it's it's kind of like they're starting to accept that women might not always be like nice. But and the re- those films all have Oscar acceptable people in. And Whereas, they're all white as well. Yeah. Uh, this, well yeah. this film has one musician and three TV stars. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's 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 breaking boundaries in the industry that they're the, they're just really not ready to do yet. Like they've yeah, already like, sorry, just we... made space for women. They're not about to start they're making like, space for we, other people. We let George Clooney in. He's the only actor that's allowed to transition from TV to film. Sorry, you're allowed one every thirty years. <laughs> you know, hold your horses, Constance Wu. Chill out. Slow down a second. Cardi B at the Oscars? No, no, no. But it's so not. interesting, isn't it? Because. I would personally say that Crazy Rich Asians was received incredibly well. Like, mm. I remember like it was lots well received of people... as a film, but not the obviously cast not like, didn't get of... any accolades. Yeah, no, I don't think. Yeah, but still, I think especially Constance Wu's um, role in the film was probably kind of received better than her role in Hustlers was. What Oscars year was this? Because this was uh, this was twenty twenty. So was this the year that they also snubbed the, the farewell, farewell and yeah. uncut gems? Mm-hmm. And was it just Mercy as well? Oh, mm-hmm. don't even talk to me about just that. <laughs> yeah, but they, it, they, it was it was a re- twenty twenty was a terrible year for awards season and yeah. the snubs and stuff. Yeah, and it was only it was only taken up a notch because Parasite, Parasite won Best Picture, yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. literally. Yeah, they nominated the wrong people, but they gave the awards to the right people. Because you're telling me at the BAFTAs that in the supporting actress category, they nominated Margot Robbie twice for two different films and not J-Lo. Like, it's just ridiculous. I don't want to step on anyone's toes, but Bombshell wasn't very good. Oh, no. We'll be talking about that at some point. We have to come back to that at some point. Um, (laughs) There's good things about it, but it's not a great film. Is there some good things about Um, it? I feel like I, I it wasn't. But terrible. like, th- that's, that, and that's the thing Bob as well. <laughs> and that's the thing as well, isn't it? Like, Margot Robbie's roles in both Bombshell and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood were my new. Oh my god, I forgot she was a. Oh, see, um, I don't like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood anyway. Oh, here we um, go. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about that because I know that I'm in the wrong. I just don't like it. No, no you're not. No, in you're, not. you're not I'm in a, the wrong. Avid oh, Tarantino really hater. So. Oh, see, I like Tarantino. I oh, just no. don't like that film. Um, but there's no way that she deserved a nomination for that work. I'm sorry. Exactly. And then you've got Jayla literally acting her back off yeah. in Hustlers and she's not even getting a shoe in. Like, it's just, it just makes, like I said, it still baffles me to this day completely and utterly. Is she getting anywhere? She got in at the Globes, right? She got some nominations. For musical and com- musical or comedy, yeah. oh, maybe. It's always musical and comedy. That yeah, of course it is. Category. Yeah. Yeah, well, oh. Did she what was it? scratch at the um, uh, Spirit Awards? Usually, they're correct with their nominations. Was it eligible it for did. Spirit Awards though? Uh, ah, was it not? Oh, is it know. because it's not sometimes, an indie? Yeah. Sometimes. Oh no, no, no. She did. She was nominated. Cool. And best director and best cinematography. Good, mm. because I'm glad that director got some nods. But yeah, pretty much all the nominations are the performances. And those performances are great. But I also think, like we said, that we all get distracted by J-Lo's performance and forget to look at what work the other girls, especially yeah. Constance, is doing. I think the awards were all like, yeah, that one can go in for 
best actress but everyone forgot to look at the craft behind it definitely yeah i think it it, it is what it is with that because like it's j-lo and then that was like the one thing that everyone carried mm-hmm. with them out, out of the film was like oh my gosh she did so well. and she did and she deserved it but it is just yeah. something that just naturally the rest of it gets a little bit overlooked but you'd mm-hmm. think that because of the people who actually are in charge of the nominations you think that that wouldn't be because it's actually their job to know like what each of these departments are doing I don't know though because I voted in the spirit awards this year and I did take it seriously and I only voted in categories where I had watched all the films but I adored promising young women so much that any place that promising young women was nominatable I voted for that yeah but I mean like for like the um like the academy and stuff mm. as in like if, if anyone was gonna kind of know about the technical elements like they definitely should have been on top yeah, of that there's no excuse for them we know that the academy don't watch half the films that they're meant to yes so this is was, very true so did they, they even see this the film? film and they were like oh sorry it's a film about a bunch of strippers with a music musician in one of the lead roles yeah no thanks yeah because when you when you mm-hmm. say it like that you don't see the film that you see yes and they did this to little women as well mm-hmm. the, i know that just like the men in the industry just don't watch their screeners which yeah. if you're not gonna watch your screeners you can't vote yeah you should be you ineligible for yeah. which is why we see the power with the things like the baftas last year mm-hmm. oh don't when it's put in the right hands yes. the outcome is everyone's happy the the BAFTA nominations this year were just so um, chaotic in the best way possible, <laughs> and it threw everything up in the air for the Oscars. People were like, "Well, yeah. I don't know what's going to happen well, anymore." It's the thing of like, we got Rocks got nominations. Oh my Rocks gosh. is a brilliant film that deserved nominations, but Rocks is so far outside of getting to the door of a typical BAFTA year because they're like they'll come around again. Whereas mm-hmm. because there wasn't that like, oh, it's not their time, and I think there's an element of that with this as well i think Mm. that they were probably like oh we could nominate the director or we could nominate her for an adapted screenplay but they were probably like oh it's only her like third film and it's her first proper film so like she'll come around again Mm. boo awards except for i do really like watching awards i know we all fall to the toxic um, (laughs) what we do have to talk about though as well is um does the fault lie at all with uh annapurna yes i forgot the reason we're here today (laughs) (laughs) i think that this is a general through line with a lot of their films is they just don't market in the way but it it was with universal no i do feel like this film was heavily marketed and i do feel like j-lo at least was playing the awards game and she was doing her awards appearances and she was doing the circuit yeah did they do a lot of fyc uh stuff or I, I can't remember. Oh, wait, no, Universal did not have anything to do with this, except for in some <laughs> countries. So, yeah, no, it's mainly made up of independent. I think that that's what it is. It's like, if you don't have the money to play, you can't play. Which is also probably why J-Lo got so many nominations, because she had the num- the money to pay for herself. So she could go to all those parties and get in, because it's all about who you're talking to, isn't it, at the awards yeah, parties. True. So that's probably why JLo got so many more than the other departments because she was making herself known. Yeah, and how can you not listen when JLo is talking to you? I know. Yeah, I think it is just, I think it does, I think we can rightfully blame Anna Hannah because at this point in time, like they've been in the industry for 10 years now. Um, and, and they do, unless there's some kind of other um, big player attached to the film with them, it's not often their films go I'm that far. Going to say, be nice to Annapurna, and oh. I'm going to say, do you know what? Why should they waste money on ridiculous awards campaigns that mean nothing? They should be investing that money back into their films and continuing to release high quality cinema. But Miss Ellison is a billionaire. <laughs> oh, okay. I do well, her that. dad's a billionaire. <laughs> uh, so the only I reason I have. That. I take issue with it is because like I know because of we've already spoken about how much how many losses like a lot of their films have made mm-hmm. especially when you have a film of this there is weight on this because like Lorene yes is established but she could do with a boost like a Greta Gerwig mm-hmm. boost of of, mm-hmm. of getting that that nomination yeah and even Emerald Fennell and Chloe Jaw after the last year it's like there as as 
as ridiculous as they seem on the outside for underrepresented filmmakers it awards just matter they just do or you just do not get I agree I think if they were not making the money Mm -hmm. then it would be a different conversation of like yeah like if they want to make their own way in the industry and everyone's on the same page and there wasn't some kind of expectation of like oh we'll be getting awards out of this Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but like when you're you're losing that much on every single film anyway and you can afford to cover your back (laughs) please just pay the extra money (laughs) yeah I'm with you now I'm with you yeah we only just learned about this the other day because someone came on and told us all about Lee Lee came on to our Where'd You Go, Bernadette. Oh, so I've not seen yes. that film, so I didn't listen to that episode. Ah, uh, yes, well. It's my fault. It is your fault. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had no idea, and he kind of gave us a big, like, history lesson on the on the family and, and why it's so strange that these films can afford to lose so much. And mm. It's interesting. It's just the business, though, isn't it? Unfortunately. Yeah. Well... Is there anything else we want to say on Hustlers before we move on? Um, oh, just that I really like how unimportant men are to this film. Yeah. Yes. Like men just, even though like the whole scheme is about men, men are so unimportant to this film and I love it. And I was trying to think, because I'm sure it definitely passes the Bechtel test, like it has to. Mm. Um, but I was like, it wouldn't pass the reverse Bechtel test. And I love that. Yep. Um, yes. I, th- I think, um, would you agree that, I mean, because obviously the whole reason that everything toppled down was that the, I can't remember his name, but one of the men like reports mm-hmm. it to the police. Do you not think that it, the film wants you to be sympathetic to that that man. Oh god, yeah, and and it doesn't topple down because of him. It topples down because of Ramona's greed and mm. Dawn's mm. ineptitude. Yeah, true. Um, and I think it, it it that's why as well. That's at the point in the film when D- Dorothy has stopped talking to the reporter. So now what we're getting from that point on is the reporter's view of what's happened and suddenly the men have so much... Suddenly we're seeing conversations with men that we haven't seen mm. for the whole hour, hour and a half before that. We're seeing interviews with the men and we're seeing actually the really horrific dark side of what happened to these men that wasn't there and was unconscionable. And I think it is... They, they shift that balance really well that we don't suddenly hate the women, but you are like yeah, no, this isn't a victimless crime. Mm. Like, it might have been when it was a few hundred here or there, but when you're literally, like, clearing out someone's entire, like, 20, 30, 50,000 credit card account, like, you're pushing it too far. Yeah, I do think that there's a level of empathy here that could have been left behind. And honestly, I feel like an audience would have been okay with it, Mm. but she chooses not to. And she does it through Constance Wu even, who there's just like looks in her face or like moments that yeah, that you, you don't need to regret. point to it you don't need to be like oh these men they need to be felt so sorry for and like you don't get that moment you do just get the like the looks and like you know you're not wrong to think maybe this is the wrong thing but mm-hmm. this is the story we're telling and it, it is what it is through this lens mm-hmm. can I ask very quickly did either of you ever read the article I was gonna ask this mm. I, I think I did after the film the first time but I don't remember like anything about it so I've not read it either, and I meant to read it ahead of this, and then I thought, actually, no, because then I might get distracted by the article and not talk about the film, but I'm going to go and read it after this. Yeah, I wonder how close to... Well, and that's why I wonder if that element of, towards the end, giving some empathy to the men is from the article, or whether that was a choice within the film, just. Yeah. Yeah, it, w- I, 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 yeah, it kind of feels like it exists in the... Mm. Uh, just from like an outside perspective of not really remembering what happened and also that, that's good storytelling good, like journalism oh is yeah showing every side and i think that's why it's important in the film but it's such a small amount in the film that it never takes it away from being the women's film it is now time to somehow try and connect no uh, i've got it i've got uh, well, it yeah, so i this told is you the i've thing, got so... it this week oh i'm so uh, excited because i was listening to your her episode in this supermarket this morning and i was literally like pushing my trolley around racking my brain to anyway <laughs> so glad billy has it i so, have yeah so billy her hustlers how how do we connect it what's I going think... what's going on in that 
that Chris Pratt is one of the guys, the girls. That's what I was gonna say. Yes, I was like, I say Chris Pratt's character would have gone to the club. He does seem like the guy who would go to the club. Yeah, no, you're right. That is that's actually quite quite good. Yeah, and because it kind of exists in this timeless period of like it could have been the future it could have been the past i mean it very clearly tells you at various points in the film what year it is oh in her oh in no in hustlers no 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 (laughs) i mean for her as in like because of that could have been like he could have existed in in the time that this happened and he's now recovered from from the shock and you know (laughs) that he's paid beyond his ability and also has a massive company credit card too so yeah yeah that's good. That's good. Is that, is that good enough? For I you? think. I think we have to. We have to probably stick with that one. Then I'm proud I... of my one contribution. One the time. only other one I could come up with was that I imagine some of the men that they were conning, like the guy that buys her the laptop, definitely would also pay to use the letter writing service. Mm, or also maybe maybe Ramona goes on to be the voice of one of the AIs. <laughs> interesting there are so see we were we we didn't think we could do it but we can (laughs) yeah it feels like ramona's voice would be a voice that people would want as their operating systems yes wouldn't we all of course (laughs) definitely uh yeah cool well it is now time to spin the wheel to see what is next do we ask claire what she would like us to choose because but you yeah, but you kind time, of already you? <laughs> you kind of already said what you what what you like. What well we'll we'll change well, it up I a think, little bit. I think last time I was just like hustlers, hustlers, hustlers. And now <laughs> yeah. I'm here and I've done hustlers. So Claire, what what film do you want it to be rather than asking you the generic right, what, what films do you like? I'm grabbing up their filmography. Oh, do you know what I want you to do next? I want you to do Spring Breakers because I think that would be Ooh, so interesting to I do that forget. similar to Hustlers because there's a lot that's the same and there's a lot that is very, very different. Like it's young women using their bodies, running around in like very skimpy clothing, stealing money. But man, those films are poles apart. <laughs> interesting. I kind of forget because I always associate Spring Breakers with A24 and I think that they were like a duo, weren't they? They distributed, A24 distributed it, according to this Wikipedia page that I very quickly opened. (laughs) Well, the wheel has picked the next film that we are going to be covering on the Annapurnaverse. Um, I feel like maybe, Claire, you need to go put the lottery on this weekend. Is it Spring Breakers? It is Spring Breakers. Amazing. (gasps) Oh my goodness, Claire, can you come back every weekend next week? Can you pick 20th Century Women? Please. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, that's so crazy. That's now only ever happened though, one other time and it's when I said Vice. Well, oh last, yeah. Last week you asked Rory what he liked and he said that Hustlers was one of his favourite Annapurna films and then Hustlers came up. Oh. Right, so next week I'm going to put in a word with a guest and say, if you could just say 20th Century Women. <laughs> just say <laughs> yes just say it just, that's all you need to say interesting well, is that do we have a a place people can go to watch that is it available anywhere i'm, I'm gonna check now shall we have i'm a guessing yeah. alex that isn't one you've seen i haven't seen spring breakers i've, I've no. also not seen it oh it's... my god have neither of you seen it oh no. oh <laughs> i was it too i was so too excited. i was too young in 2012 to see it Man, I, <laughs> I think that might have 18. been the same for me I was a secondary um, school teacher in 2012. <laughs> I, was, I probably could have been your film studies teacher. <laughs> um, it's available to rent on YouTube for £2.50. Oh, wonderful. So if you want to watch oh, along with us, so probably everyone has seen it except for... I am. Yeah. I, I kind of want all to I'm watch seeing, it. All I'm seeing on this Google um, little bit about Spring Breakers is music by Skrillex. Oh my like, god! <laughs> you, I'm, I am so excited to hear because I'm, I'm just gonna say I think Billy is not going to be happy with this. Film. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, and I'm like I said, so it, it, it is written and directed by a man, and oh no. it's, it's a about film. women. It's about, about women. women doing crime to men, and not a man. They spend the entire in their bikinis. So it just I feel like oh, having talked about 
how well the women are portrayed in this film I'm very interested to see how you feel the women are portrayed in that film because I was so fascinated when this film came out and I read a lot about it when it was coming out and I had some thoughts when mm-hmm. I left the film I am Claire so comes back next week to discuss <laughs> honestly I'm a little bit gutted that like oh. it has come up because I probably would have been like if you need someone <laughs> we probably will I don't think anyone picked it no, Please I think somebody, if not, someone else. Oh, maybe someone did pick it. Good. We'll find well, out. There we go. Well, thank you very much, Claire. Before we go, where else can people find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter. It is Claire Ellen Hope, but Claire without an I because my parents are annoying. <laughs> um, I pretend to write about film, but I very rarely write about film at the moment. <laughs> um, so yeah if I write anything I'll I'll put it on there Um, and then I sometimes co-host the W-rated podcast my delightful uh, leader in charge chief chief and leader words um, (laughs) is currently taking a little break she assures me we will be back soon with new episodes so again I will let that be known via Twitter so Twitter is just the best place to find me and my many emotional breakdowns (laughs) Of course, of course. And, and occasionally when I dri- learned to drive a van, which I did yesterday, and it was a very good thing. You know, yeah, that I was such a wonderful this. that was such a wonderful thing to see how <laughs> you tweeted like what three or four months ago about saying something about if you were a bit were able to drive a van, you'd be unstoppable. And then you retweeted it and was like, I think I'm I've unstoppable, guys. <laughs> I loved it. I was so sad giving it back this morning. <laughs> so go to Claire's Twitter for <laughs> wonderful character progression. <laughs> Yes. Future adventures in the van I steal. <laughs> steal. Okay, this is not hustler. <laughs> and do you remember the um wonderful words that you have to say? Well, you definitely didn't tell me to say it, but because I listened to the other episode this morning, I think I've got them. <gasps> okay. Oh, so you know it. So we we might just let you see see whether you can do it. Okay. I'll right. Okay. Well, um, just once again before uh Claire closes us out thank you very much for listening as always you can find me and billy on twitter too um in the description and all that kind of jazz claire take it away and we'll see you in the other plane of us hey all right you remembered yeah